You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for day number three of our Oscar Best Picture nominee marathon. Leading up to the 91st Academy Awards, we're on day number three, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're 0 for 2, uh, so let's see if this improves it at all, because as we ended the last episode talking about the movie we're talking about today, Vice, was the one I was most excited to see uh, of all these best picture contenders. Uh, this is the biopic of Dick Cheney, the vice president. I was going to call him vice principal, but the vice president, <laughs> former vice president of the United States. Uh, movie starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, and Sonia Christopher of Survivor Borneo. <laughs> so let's get right into it. My name is Colin, and I don't want you to panic, but I do believe I'm going to have to go to the hospital now. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and I know that you got a job, Miss Cheney, but your husband's heart problem's complicating. That's a bit of Eminem for you. Just <laughs> diss some rhymes uh, right now. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. Um, oh, is that what we're here to do? Oh, okay. I, well, I'm really frustrated, because... I wanted to like this one so badly, uh, and I avoided. I, well, I'm not going to say I avoided all the reviews for Vice, but just the fact that this came out like right around Christmas. I mean, everybody's busy around the time, and then you have a flood of you know a dozen movies that all come out at once. All these Oscar bait movies all come out in the same week. I just didn't have time to really check up on the reviews. Were I thought it looked good. Uh, I knew it was from the director of The Big Short, and I like really like The Big Short. Uh, I'm a huge Christian Bale fan, as I said. You know, I'll watch literally anything he's in. Uh, and after I saw this, I wasn't really sure how I felt, so I started reading some of the reviews. I'm like, yeah, I can see that problem. Yeah, I can see that because we talked about last week how Bohemian Rhapsody was like the lowest rated movie we could remember uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, at least like the the worst reviewed movie to get a Best Picture nomination. And I'm reading that Vice apparently can hold the same claim, and Vice has only like 4% higher than mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. So here we have two movies that are cleaning up in all these nominations, neither of which really blew me away. And I'm starting to wonder if like this year is cursed. Well, I read an article about that. Um, as I'm just trying to, this is going to sound really inappropriate. I'm swallowing some nuts, but um, <laughs> they're peanuts. Anyway, um, you caught me well, out. That makes Maybe, it better. <laughs> I know, right? Being very unprofessional right now. Um, yeah, so I read a, an article about that saying that this is the could be the worst year for Best Picture nomina- nominations because, yeah, it had the fact that two movies are below 70%. And I think that since um, 2010, based on like Rotten Tomatoes, there hadn't been a movie below 70%. Uh, Les Mis, I think, was on the cusp of that um and there was another one too but uh yeah i mean it's interesting i I, similar to you came into this really wanting to watch it and i might be similar to bohemian rhapsody i mean i didn't love this film as much as bohemian rhapsody but i enjoyed this film uh i definitely can see some issues with this film but i don't know i just i found it interesting (laughs) um and i think it's kind of one of these ones where it's really dominated by I guess, Christian Bale's performance. But, um, I mean, I think I've got a few questions around the fact that how... I love you, Sam Rockwell, but 
if you're getting nominated for a, a, a best supporting actor for your role as George W. Bush, then Josh Brolin is fucking robbed for not getting nominated in 2008 or 2009 for the movie W, a movie we're going to cover in a few months. Um, because, yeah, I will get to that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did enjoy this film. I enjoyed it a lot more than Mallory. Mallory was falling asleep throughout this movie. But um, it's interesting. I guess I find... A lot of the stuff, the subject matter, very interesting because I, I like these types of movies generally. I just want to put this out there, like not even critiquing Sam Rockwell's impression because I, I made my <laughs> opinions clear about I, I hate that people will get awarded just for doing a good impression of somebody you're familiar with. But let's talk about his screen time in this movie. Um, I'm pretty sure Naomi Watts as the uncredited news anchor has equal amount of screen time to Sam Rockwell in this movie. Like he barely exists in this movie. And yeah, he walks away with a Best Supporting Actor nomination. And I love Sam Rockwell, but like, I would have just rather have left it last year. I mean, mm. the stock footage they use of Hillary Clinton in this movie is probably equal to the amount of screen time that Sam Rockwell has. I mean, <laughs> and Donald Trump. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'd go as far as to say, similar to Amy Adams, you know, she has a little bit more screen time, but it's like it, it, all these other actors are just such a non-factor in this movie. And this is what I think is particularly frustrating because. People are going to hear what you said about 2010, you know, there hasn't been a single one lower than 70%. And they're going to say, well, you know, the the fact is since 2010, we've increased it to upwards of 10 Best Picture nominated movies now. So obviously you're going to have ones that are lower rated than in the 90s. But what's frustrating here is that this movie got eight nominations and you can – always make the argument with the best pictures nowadays like well there are the throwaway ones like i mentioned how they had to correct their rules after the blind side got nominated for two nominations for the entire award ceremony and only one of them was best picture that they're like okay we have to get a certain percentage of the vote this is also nominated for best director which essentially means the academy has placed this in their top five if this were 2007 2008 Vice still gets nominated for Best Picture, and that really does have me worried about the movies we have left. Um, but then you also look at the fact that like, it doesn't seem to be blowing a lot of people away. I'm kind of with you in that I, I enjoyed this movie, but I am wondering, did you see Adam McKay's last movie, The Big Short? No, I mean, until you mentioned the other day that this is a guy who directed like Step Brothers and Anchorman and all that yeah. sort of stuff, I didn't realize that was him. But no, I have not seen The Big Short. I think that that also hurts it too. Like there are some issues with this movie that, you know, I think are are fair and that they maybe went too far with. But the biggest issue I have is that the things I enjoyed about this movie, like a lot of the clever things they did, you know, there, there's fun scenes where uh, you have like Dick and his wife who are going through, you know, this conversation before bed about whether he should run for vice president. And they're saying like, oh, you know, we'd love to just have this as like Shakespearean dialogue or whatever. And they just do the entire thing in Shakespearean dialogue or other fun scenes like that you mentioned. There's a bit of kind of a false finish to this movie halfway yeah. through the movie. <laughs> Clever it throws you like off that, if you like, think it's a dodgy copy of the movie. Like, what yeah. the fuck? This ends after 30 minutes? <laughs> but as soon you had mentioned there would be something coming up. And as soon as I saw them, like, I know what he was talking about now. <laughs> like, those things are clever and they're entertaining. But it almost doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie plays it so straight. And having seen the big short... It just didn't feel as clever as it should have to me because the big short was full of like the entire movie were scenes like that. Like probably one of the most memorable ones is where one of the characters is trying to explain, you know, how 
these things worked, all this financial stuff worked that led to, you know, the, the financial crisis in 2008. And he's like, does it make sense to you? Let's have this thing explained again in simpler terms by Margot Robbie, Robbie in a bathtub. And then they cut to Margot Robbie naked in a bathtub explaining it. And those were, that's like the entire movie, the big short, it just, it fit better in the big short. And here it just felt like Adam McKay wanted to do a straight biopic and then times where he wanted to make it more of a slanted political opinion piece. And then he wanted to inject it with the, you know, fun creativity of the big short. And it's just at no point when he's going from one tone to the next, does it ever feel like it's the same movie? Yeah, I can see that because I mean, I, the thing I really enjoyed about it was kind of that underlying comedic tone. Like at the very beginning, when it kind of is like, you know, this is based on this, and it's like, and we did our fucking best, um, kind of like, you know, something like that. I liked, and um, you know, I really enjoyed the narrator part of it, the way they try to kind of tie it all together, and sort of the twist that was involved in that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever. Um, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying because, I mean, there's some heavy stuff in this movie. Um, you know, obviously a lot around the the issues that that was involved sort of in that presidency. Um, and I definitely feel as though, because you haven't seen W, and I, you know, as I said, we're going to be covering mm-hmm. that in a few months. And I definitely think W does it better uh, because no way does Oliver Stone, I think, ever try to paint it in any direction that it's kind of all over the place. I think kind of they, they paint George W. Bush as this kind of aloof bit of a, you know, dumb ball in parts of the movies, but he's obviously going through a lot of serious stuff through his presidency. And yeah, I, I hope that you will agree in a couple of months that like that, it, they do that a lot better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain how I feel about that because I didn't dislike it maybe as much as say you're implying you did. Like I still enjoyed how it was done. I didn't find it as big of an issue, but having said that, I mean, I, can see, like, I read the review similar to you afterwards, and I think I, for the most part, read each of the reviews and was like, yep, I can see that, yep, I can definitely see that, yep, I agree with that. Whereas, say, if I read the reviews in Bohemian Rhapsody, for the most part, I'm going, no, I disagree with that, no, I disagree <laughs> with that. So, I think there's that's how I would describe my opinion, that I agree with other people's opinions more <laughs> so than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Ben's just making everybody happy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's my job in life. Well, I think, here's one of the big problems with this movie, and it's very easy for you know the side of people who are 100% behind this movie to say oh it's just these like you know um uh these you know trump supporters who are hating on the movie and i think that's going too far and then it's you get the other side where it's like oh they, they even play up on this movie oh this is all just liberal propaganda i think that's going too far too but the issue is and i haven't seen w but if you look at even oliver stone oliver stone in real life has some very strong political opinions that for the most part he keeps out of his movies. There are times, though, where he crosses a line, like in JFK, where he throws out all these conspiracy theories, which now, you know, 20, 30 years later, look really dated. Um, but in a movie like Nixon, for example, he he presented Nixon as a human character. Like, he humanized him. And if there's would one in w, complaint... W, I'd that- say, to interrupt you, he does that definitely in W. And I was hoping for that. And and this is Oliver Stone. I mean, Adam McKay, a guy who really has made a career off of just fun comedies, you would think that he would have the common sense and not get so dark and so serious where most of the reviews are basically saying they lost the reviewers or they lost the, the critics 
when they just presented Dick Cheney almost as like a cartoon James Bond villain, mm-hmm. like a man with no soul and, and there's no redeeming factors at all. And I, I don't care who you are. I mean, he, he, Hitler, the greatest movie ever made on Hitler was a movie that came out about 15 years ago called Downfall. Yeah. And it was praised because it presented Hitler as a human being where even though it wasn't saying anything different, it's not justifying anything he did, but it's like it was showing Hitler as a guy who at least believed he was doing what he thought was right. And I feel like a movie made about Dick Cheney where you change nothing about the story, but you just at least present him as a character who believed in what he was doing would be a much better movie than than this where they almost kind of just brush it under the rug where it's like, oh, he was just doing it for his own kicks or he was just doing it for power. And these things don't really add up, when, especially when you look at the salaries that somebody's going to make as a vice president. <laughs> it doesn't add up that it's like it's it's that you know clear cut that he's like, he was just an evil person. It's, I, di- I didn't like the approach of just not humanizing a character when every human being on the planet is human. I mean, the, humanizing Hitler worked in a movie. Well, it's like other movies on a similar vein, like one of my favourite movies, Monster, you know, what they did with Eileen Warnos and Charlie Theron. Mm. Like, I mean, that's a sadistic serial killer and they kind of humanise her um, a little bit in that, kind of in the same vein you're talking about with Downfall. Um, and I definitely feel W does that with George W. Bush because, I mean, I came out of W feeling a sympathy for him. Um, mm. And, like, look, I'm not much of an expert when it comes to anything, really, but, like, particularly US politics and... You know, I was probably way too young to really form opinions on the Bush presidency. But it just, you come out of it feeling a, a, a real sense of sympathy for the character. Whereas this, yeah, like, you know, not to take away from Christian Bale's performance, but I mean, I kind of was watching this through that lens of what we were talking about of Bohemian Rhapsody the other day, where is, you know, what you were trying to say, like, is this more of an impersonation? Do we feel any sort of humanization of this character? And. I was waiting for you to come on and say, like, oh, it's so much better than, you know, Rami Malek and, you know, I felt yeah. so much more human. I'm thinking, like, really? Like, and, but you're obviously, <laughs> you're not saying that. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's like, particularly sort of like the final scene when kind of like he turns, you know, breaks the fourth wall and kind of has that speech, all of which I've read apparently are based off actual things Dick Cheney said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, that to me is like the, the last minute attempt to kind of put some, you know, humanization on this character about that he believed in everything he did and but like i just i don't feel like the story itself kind of sounds interesting on paper like the story behind the most powerful vice president in american history like okay i want to see mm-hmm. that but i mean do we come out of this going like oh okay i understand why he did it like even like the moment the fake out in the middle of the movie which is kind of you know, slight. I mean, again, is it really a spoiler? This really happened. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's kind of on the basis of that he didn't run for president based on sort of some family, you know, matters, and he kind of wanted to protect his family. Like, I would have liked to have seen that explored a little bit more, but it was mm-hmm. kind of just like, boom, like, no, nope, not running for president. You know, next minute, oh, here's a phone call from George W. Bush wanting him to be his running mate. Like, okay. Like, so what's his inspiration about going to vice president? Because he feels he can manipulate Bush and because he saw this one conversation with Nixon and Kissinger years ago? Like, I felt I learnt more reading the Wikipedia page afterwards than they were trying Mm -hmm. to imply in the film, and that's usually a bad thing. There's also other things where if this movie had played it as a a very clear satire, it would have been more acceptable, but it doesn't. And it was hurt even more for me when I read in interviews with Adam McKay after this, where some of the things that he basically says, we could have played it as speculation, but we wanted to show, like, like one of the clearest ones was there is the uh, 
the leak of the CIA agent, which they made a really good movie about it uh, with Sean Penn and Naomi Watts uh, years ago called Fair Game. And uh, they touch on that at one point where they leaked, you know, uh, her and her husband is the source and that leaked her as like a, a CIA spy and caused all these problems where he basically says, yeah, leak her name. And this is something that's like, okay, you can maybe speculate it, but it's like there's no real reason, like no real evidence to say this actually happened, that he was responsible for doing this. And the movie's just sort of filled with so much, that, especially near the end of it. I felt like the first half of this movie where it was just building up towards everything of him being vice president was a lot easier to watch. And then it almost became like at the end of the movie, it's just one thing after the other where it's like, we're going to take these things that some people maybe assume and we're just going to state that it's fact. And then yeah. when I read the interview with Adam McKay, when this reviewer who seemed to be somewhat praising the movie was still commenting, but but you know what? These things didn't really happen. So what's your intention? Do? Say, well, I believe it did happen. So that's what like it just it felt too much like one guy's political opinion. I'm kind of the type of person where it's like it doesn't matter to me if I 100 percent agree with a person's political opinion, if they're going this far to basically create what almost in a way feels like just a propaganda piece <laughs> even if it's 100% true and even if i were to 100% agree with it it's going to kind of turn me off a little bit cuz nobody wants to be told something they they want to be able to come to their own conclusions and i think there's just there's much more effective ways to do a scene like that like the 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 main climax of this movie like you said with some of the things with his family issues there would have been a much better way to play that scene where you're leaving it up to the, the audience interpretation. I don't know if you've ever seen The Godfather, but that scene was basically just ripped straight from The Godfather, that, that, that whole idea of the climax with this family conflict he had. And the way The Godfather played it would have been the right way to do this. But instead, they, they just try to make everything so clear. as like, This is what we're saying is fact, even though we have nothing to back it up. Our assumptions are now fact. And it also seemed, I think, just the way they kind of went from point A to point B. And it, it, it did, I think, um, turn to a point where all of a sudden it came up very paint by numbers. It's kind of like we got to a point where it's like, boom, he's vice president now. So quick, let's, you know, show briefly what happened 9-11. You know, let's show a mm-hmm. bit of, you know, the invasion of Afghanistan. Oh, Iraq. And, you know, and, and kind of the one thing I did sort of appreciate is like when they kind of gave a bit of a background around how, you know, he might have had a, a play in the beginning of something like ISIS and things like that. But... I mean, I think kind of in a day and age now where we've, we're more than a decade out of the Bush presidency and there's almost, a, I guess, a nostalgia for the Bush presidency, which is kind of mm. odd given that, you know, you're older than me, you're closer to America. I'm sure you remember a lot of how negative, particularly at the end, you know, Bush was mm. received and everything along those lines. But obviously, like with Trump now, it's kind of like, oh, remember that crazy old uncle, George W. Bush? He wasn't that bad. But then, like, you know, you watch stuff like this to kind of be reminded. And, like, you were talking about how, you know, Trump people are against this, you know, uh, liberals and everyone's against it. It's kind of, I don't know what who this film's targeted at. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I feel everybody in every spectrum should be annoyed at kind of the subject matter about what allegedly happened. Because mm-hmm. I feel like... I don't even know how to feel in regards to because, like, if Trump supporters are angry about this movie, <laughs> then like, what what does that mean for the the non-Trump supporters? Because they're angry as well. Like, I feel you leave W again, like, not you know, there's it's. I think W is a less paint by numbers film. As again, going back to they humanize him more, and that, that's more set in three direct arcs. Like, you kind of got his youth, his sort of middle section, and in the end, and kind of it's all implied that 
everything that he's doing is kind of, you know, to impress his father and sort of, you know, it's, it's, there's that humanization to it. Whereas, yeah, I'm going all over the place here because the more <laughs> I think about this, I think I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> what do I think of this movie? Just one more example of like some of the things where, and I feel like this really is in the last act of the movie where Adam McKay is suddenly like, ooh, maybe I played it too safe up until now, or maybe he was doing that just to get the audience on a side where it just became, let's just throw everything at the, like this man was the devil himself. Uh, even if the things are somewhat made up, like there's a thing about him, him, you know, getting a heart transplant in the end. And they basically have this assumption that, you know, the way that he phrased him getting this new heart would have upset the person who donated the heart. And it's like, now you're basically claiming a dead man felt away after the fact. It's just, (laughs) it, it, they just, it it just went too far with some things for me. Like even as somebody who's, you know, uh, like one, I'm Canadian. I, I, (laughs) I don't live and breathe American politics, although most Canadians, you know, uh, seem to, but like, I'm, was never really a fan of Bush or Cheney or anything like that. But I would just, I would rather see a movie that explored how about the fact that you mentioned about the nostalgia for Bush. And one of the things is that you kind of have to wait for something like this to all be over. People look back and say like, well, the fact is no other president really did have to deal with something like nine 11. So like, and I loved the scenes they had when that happened, which was so brief that like, make that a third, make that the entire second act of your movie. Like, how do you deal with something like that? And even when they make the wrong decisions, show that they're making those wrong decisions for a reason. It's not like, aha, because they actually go as far to have a scene where it's like all the evil people rubbing their hands. Now we finally have our chance to take Iraq. (laughs) It's just so over the top, but yet not funny. It's just, oh, this just feels like such a weird movie where both of us are like, "Ah, I just don't know. Yeah, and I think also too that even the you know the constantly imp- imp- implying that Cheney was the real voice behind the mm-hmm. decisions made by Bush, um, and I just feel as though that's not even portrayed enough on screen. Like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a couple of moments where we sort of see, I guess, him in a conference room having a conversation, and all of a sudden, you know, Cheney's the last person to speak to Bush. And then he makes a decision based on what Cheney said. But I don't feel as though that's anything different to any presidency. I mean, I I feel as though presidents generally would have so many advisors giving them so many different advices that they're obviously the one at the end of the day who's going to make the final decision. But even in, again, I keep referring to W, but I even feel in, and it's been a while since I've watched W, but I, I definitely remember sort of some of the, the sort of similar scenes in like boardrooms around invasions and things like that. Like, there is a similar input, and you know, I think Cheney in that movie is played by Richard Dreyfus, and I think kind of you know, there's that similar implication. But I felt like this movie should explore it more, and mm-hmm. I didn't come out of this movie feeling that he had any more of an influence on that presidency than I saw in in the movie W. So, and I feel this is movie on uh, Dick Cheney, <laughs> um, which I actually read a very interesting fact by the way. I don't know if you knew, kind of on the same topic, that Christian Bale actually was initially cast as George W. Bush in W. But oh, really? uh, pulled out of he pulled out of the project because they couldn't get the prosthetics right, and Oliver Stone said that Christian Bale is such an actor that needs to have everything right that we just couldn't work with him. So that's where we got Josh Brolin on board. So there's an interesting connection between the two movies. We could have had Christian Bale as George W. Bush ten years ago. Did I lose you? Hello. Uh, my. Oh, now I can hear you. 
No, I did hear you. I heard a uh. <laughs> okay. Now I, I think I fixed it. I got okay. you. Uh, just quickly talking about Christian Bale, because I'd love to say we could talk about like Amy Adams, but as I said, like Amy Adams barely exists in this movie. Even Didn't if she's even there, realize that was her at first. Can I just interrupt you and say that? Like <laughs> it was, it took a while, and then all of a sudden Mallory's like, "That's Lois Lane, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, it is. Oh, it's Amy Adams." <laughs> it's just there's nothing impressive about what she's doing here, and I feel like Amy Adams is now at that Meryl Streep point where, which is actually annoying that they will just nominate her because she's in a movie this year. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and Sam Rockwell, you know, no reason he should be nominated. I mean, Steve Carell at least had something to play with here. I mean, Sam Rockwell is barely in this movie. And if Steve Carell this... would deserve more of a nomination than Sam Rockwell. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to go as far as say that Steve Carell should have either. I mean, but I feel like he had a character that had something to play. George W. Bush is so background in this movie um, I wonder why they wasted the time on getting Sam Rockwell because you could have just had anybody play this character. Uh, yeah. But for Christian Bale's performance, I mean, I don't think it's the same thing as um, as the Rami Malek, just because there are moments in this movie where I feel like Christian Bale was doing something that had me interested, even if it's against what the movie was doing. Like the if you listen to his acceptance speech for the Golden Globes, I feel like Christian Bale kind of is of the opinion of Adam McKay, where he's like, "Oh, there is no good in this man," which is not even. Let's just put aside whether you believe that's true or not. It's not an interesting character to have. That is called one-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have dimension to the character, if you don't have something good, then it's one-dimensional. But there are moments where there's like, you know, just looks he gives. Uh, like when he's talking about uh, the, the gay marriage issue to George W. Bush, where you could see like some humanization in this character that even if it's not in the script, like Christian Bale brought a little bit of it to it. I'm not going to anyway go as far as to say this is one of his greatest performances. I mean, it felt like there's a hypnotic way of him talking in this movie where I know he's doing an impression, but but he still draws you in. And there, this is similar to like the first man thing with Ryan Gosling, where you're taking a character who really is devoid of personality and you're building a movie around the fact that there's something so compelling about this really dull person. But if I'm comparing this to even like Christian Bale's Let's not even talk about his greatest movies. Like uh, you know, you take like American Psycho um, or the, the, the Fighter or uh, American Hustle or you know any of his more acclaimed performances. But I'm going to say even compared to you know some of his more recent ones, like there was a movie he made last year called Hostels, which was uh, I guess you'd consider a western that had him and Rosamund Pike in it. Not a great movie at all. Not even an exciting movie. But I think his performance in that was better than in here. Um, the Big Short, much better performance than we get in here. Uh, American Hustle, obviously stronger. Out of the Furnace. I mean, I would say 50% of the time Christian Bale lands an Oscar-worthy performance. And if this mm-hmm. wasn't such a high-profile character, I don't think anybody's talking about this performance as being anything special. And you mentioned about that, the way he's got a speech, like the, the way he talks. And that's mm-hmm. one the one thing I noticed, like... I can imagine Christian Bale just just nailed the the way Cheney speaks. Because if you watch Cheney interviews, like that's how he sounds. Um, and he's kind of just got that tone, like the way he. I can't do it, but like you know the way he does it, and it really does draw you in. And I mean, I think like I'm just bringing this back to Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, I we didn't really talk about the way kind of Rami Malek did the the Freddie Mercury sort of voice, but like if you watch interviews with Freddie Mercury, I think there was a similarity there too. But 
Yeah, it's... I wouldn't have seen as much Christian Bale movies as, as you or Mallory to kind of really compare it. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm probably on the, the page of only having seen the Dark Knights and the, you know, uh, Terminators and things like that, the big oh. ones. Um, so, yeah, but I think kind of from the very first moment you saw a trailer for this movie, you were like, wow, who is that? And then you realise it's Christian Bale. And I think for the most part watching this movie, you do forget this is Christian Bale. Um, although there are definitely moments where it does come through, but yeah, I mean, look, I wish I could turn around and say, like, yeah, the reason why I'm fat is because I'm doing it from movie role. I mean, didn't he put on like 18 kilos for this movie? Like, yeah, that's why I'm so big. I'm waiting for my movie. Uh, like, <laughs> he does it a lot, Christian Bale. I hope he's got a good doctor because he's always sad or thin <laughs> in movies now, isn't he? If we were to do a Christian Bale month, I mean, the machinist is easily top right there. Uh, American Psycho. Uh, a really great movie he made called Harsh Times, which is from the same guy that went on to make Suicide Squad. It's just, uh, I'm watching this movie, and I can't say anything bad about his performance. It's just, this entire movie made me want to watch better Christian Bale movies, and it made me <laughs> want to watch The Big Short again. Because it almost feels like a carbon copy of The Big Short without the drama and without the personality. And I, I don't really feel like, we'll get to the reviews in a minute, but I don't really feel like there was anything here... There's nothing here to really dislike, but there's nothing here to really love, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I think kind of in talking about it, maybe my opinions changed slightly. I mean, I did stop watching this film going like, yeah, okay, I really enjoyed that. Um, but, I mean, since sort of I watched it a couple of days ago, I've watched Black Klansman, you know, I've come into this sort of talking with you about this now. So it's kind of, yeah, I feel as though so far with the movies that are coming into this that I haven't seen um, we're doing reviews on it. I do feel it's very different to last year, whereas I think kind of we had a firm opinion on movies last year because I think we bought them all from memory except for the stupid sewing movie, whatever the fuck that was. Um, so, was it dress- what was that called? The Dressmaker or... Thread. thread oh, the, yeah, Phantom okay, thread. thank you. Phantom Thread, yep. Oh, God, never never remember it. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm going to be intrigued to see, like, moving forward with the remaining ones, kind of how it feels because, like... I mean, I enjoyed Black Klansman. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy Black Klansman, but there was definitely a period in the Black Klansman, in the Black Klansman, where <laughs> kind of even I'm like, hmm, you know, like it, it shifts a little bit weirdly, but then it kind of comes back and everything along those lines. But that's obviously tomorrow. But I, it made me want to watch W again. And it's been a while since I've seen that. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's made me more excited to see that when we eventually get to it. Hmm. Um, other than Best Picture, which it's so weird that I said that this is one of the five Best Director nominees, which means it should be one of the real contenders for Best Picture. There's probably different sites out there, but the one I found uh, actually has Vice as the lowest odds-on favorite of winning Best Picture. Uh, so it's behind Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther. Uh, I don't know if the site you were looking at the other day had it differently, but... I think it was this- third last from memory, but I, that site now that I looked at, I can't find that article anymore. They've they've updated it to a different one now, so... I mean, outside of Best Picture and Best Direction, which I don't really think it has a shot at winning. I mean, Christian Bale, I feel like there's a chance he can win Best Actor just because Hollywood loves to reward... I mean, it could be between him and Rami Malek just because Hollywood loves to reward anything that's a good impression. Um, if you play a celebrity that everybody's familiar with, you're going to get an Oscar. I don't really feel like the competition is that stiff this year. Uh, supporting actress, I don't think there's any way that Amy Adams wins this. There's zero chance of Sam Rockwell winning. Best original screenplay, again, I haven't seen the other movies in here, but I find it hard to believe that this could win... Um, Really, it's going to come down to, I mean, editing probably doesn't stand a chance. So is this the one lock for this going to be best makeup? 
I don't know. What are the other nominees? I, I don't know if I've gone over best makeup too much. Uh, Border and Mary Queen of Scots. What's Border? Uh, is that a film um, on the great Australian cricketer Alan Border or probably Swedish not. <laughs> fantasy film? Oh, of course it is. Coming soon, <laughs> Swedish fantasy film month. Um, I mean, I'd probably give that to Mary Queen of Scots, right? Because I'm sure there's lots of people done up in <laughs> shit. <laughs> Margot Robbie. <laughs> oh, good on you, Margot. Is she in a bath explaining the recession? Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, outside, like. I guess, I, I mean, did uh, The Darkest Hour win Best Makeup last year? I'm assuming it would have, wouldn't it? Uh, or did that Shape of Water? Um, we can research that here if I Look stall long enough. Darkest, uh, Darkest Hour. Hour. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, it beat Victoria and Abdul. Mm, the esteemed, of course. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, I think probably it would win based on the fact that, you know, because it's a very similar thing to Darkest Hour, isn't it? You know, getting mm-hmm. Christian Bale that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, film editing, uh, <laughs> gosh, I would... I mean, I've not watched The Favour of Green Book yet, but I would give it to Bohemian Rhapsody over Black Klansman. Um, no, but just the editing itself. Like, you can't, you know, you when you watch Black Klansman around the editing, I would say Bohemian Rhapsody is a much... You know, I enjoyed the editing better. <laughs> that's that's my dream. Whenever I get a review on like a movie poster, I enjoyed the editing of this movie. <laughs> ben Waterworth, The Oz Network. <laughs> that's the one good review they could find for the Emoji movie. The editing was okay. <laughs> I love the cinematography and the makeup and hairstyling of the Emoji movie. <laughs> this film was edited. Ben Waterworth, The Oz Network. Um. <laughs> uh, what are we going to review this one as? I don't know. I came into this as like solid buy, but now I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean, I watched... Here's the thing. I watched this movie feeling like it's probably a renter, but then the more time passes, the more I'm kind of annoyed that they went in one direction instead of going in another. And as I said, the more time has passed, the more it just made me feel like yeah, they did this so much better with the big short, so much so that it made me uh, appreciate the creativity of this movie less because I'm like, they basically just ripped off, like he ripped off his last movie. So I'd go as far as to say it's like, it's not a bad movie, it's not unenjoyable, but I don't really feel like it would be worth money. So I'd probably go with this being like a pretty respectable bin, to be honest. <laughs> respectable bin. I like how the <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody was a high bin, and this is a respectable bin. Yeah, um, slightly higher than high is respectable. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna sound like <laughs> this. Um, I'm gonna rent it. Like that again. I went into this thinking I was gonna buy it, but um, I mean, I would watch this movie again, but I would rather watch W again. Um, and there's definitely a bunch of other political sort of. American ones that I would watch. I mean, even some of the TV ones that we were talking about the other day about, you know, VH1 primetime specials. Like, you know, uh, I would rather watch um, The Special Relationship or what was that? Sarah Palin one. I keep forgetting the name of that one. Um, But, yeah, like, uh, I would maybe wait a while before watching this again. But, uh, yeah, maybe just really changed my mind now talking about this today, Colin. Thanks. (laughs) I have that persuasion over people. Just like Cheney. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, we know what we're doing next because you said you've already watched it. Uh, so Black it's, it's Black Klansman, right? It is, yes. Uh, which you haven't... You've watched, what, a bit of it so far, or...? Uh, I'm actually a little over halfway through it. 
so uh and what i've seen i'm really enjoying you know having said that the first half of vice i actually really enjoyed it just fell apart for me in the second half so uh, i'm not sure i i think that the first half is the best thing i've seen of the best picture nominees this year um i think that adam driver is definitely deserving of his nomination more so than sam rockwell um i i'm thinking the guy the main guy who stars i mean i think he's going to be a huge star one day he doesn't seem to have like much of a filmography so this must be kind of new for him but yeah it's spike lee's one of these hit and miss directors where you know sometimes he just nails it and sometimes he just completely washes out and i I feel like this one is probably the most impressed people have been with him since the inside man and that was what probably about 10 years ago um can I just also quickly point out before I talk about this that uh, I think this might be the very first time I've ever seen a movie with Tyler Perry in it. And then I just only realized that Tyler Perry was freaking Colin Powell. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I watched the credits, yeah. The woman who plays Condoleezza Rice, though, is fantastic. Although Tandy Newton is a good Condoleezza Rice in W. So, um, on, on the grand scheme of things, I think they nail the look of the, the administration in W better than they do in uh, Vice, but we'll leave that open. Coming soon on the Oz Network. Um, yeah, Black Klansman, I enjoy it. And I think there's maybe just a slight, like, sort of just past halfway point, there's maybe like a 20 to 30-minute period where it kind of starts to fall away, but then it picks up again at the end. So, um, I mean, Mallory came into Vice and she left and she's like, oh, that's a solid bin. And then sort of when I told her, like, okay, we're going to watch Black Klansman, she's like, oh, what's that about? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's about this and she's kind of like oh when can we go back to watching normal good movies again <laughs> like she's kind of silly but then like five minutes in to black Klansman, she's like i like this movie um and she enjoyed it so yeah i think it's definitely um you know one of the highest ones so far that i've watched i mean what well, this is going to bring us to the halfway point i think uh john david washington denzel's son um is it really say, close your yeah, close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen to the man talk and tell me you cannot hear Denzel Washington. Like, Jesus wow. Christ. Um, yeah, that's uh, Denzel Washington's son. Uh, Adam Driver's great. I've only just fucking realised that Topher Grace yeah. is David. <laughs> I'm watching this guy going, who is that guy? I know who that guy is. It's fucking Topher Grace. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. So it's going to be an interesting one to talk about as uh, I guess we're continuing on our, um, you know, the type of films that we should be talking about. We've talked about American politics. We've already talked about, uh, you know, who are the outstanding African-American and black cast in uh, Black Panther. And here we are, more talking about more uh, black issues. So uh, once again, we're the podcast of two white men to be able to talk about this. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm really excited to do the Denzel test when I finish this yeah. one. So we'll find out <laughs> Seriously, tomorrow. Like, it, just, it was crazy. The first like five minutes, I'm like, holy crap, he sounds like he's dead. And when I was looking through his filmography, I realized that his, you know, or I guess debut was in like a tiny role in Malcolm X when he was a child. And I just thought, oh, this is like a Spike Lee, you know, friend or some friend of Spike Lee's family or something. (laughs) Realizing (laughs) it's Denzel's son. Uh, So we'll be back for Black Klansman tomorrow. And then following that, we've got what's left? Green Book, The Favorite. um, Star is Born. Star is Born. Roma. Yeah. So we got some of the big ones. I just want to put it out on the record. I've seen The Star is Born. Looking forward to seeing that again. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Green Book. I think that looks interesting. Um, yeah, The Favourite, not looking forward to watching it all. I feel like that's going to be this year's Phantom Thread for me. And uh, Roma, don't know how I feel about it. I can't say I've ever seen a black and white Mexican film. So um, <laughs> stay tuned. 
it is from the follow-up from the director of Gravity. So I'm sure we're going to be <laughs> lots of black and white Mexican characters floating through space. <laughs> Can't wait. That's what I've always wanted to see in a movie. Uh, so we'll be back to cover Black Klansman tomorrow. And then one of those other ones the day after that. A movie a day all the way up until the Oscars. Hopefully we'll fit in a preview episode as well. Make sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever else. My name is Colin, and if you didn't understand our reviews, here's Margot Robbie explaining them in a bathtub. And my name is Ben, and I'm just going to go start speaking Shakespearean. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.